0: DJPK brought to you apart by Davis Vision. Davis Vision has given you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at DavisVisionMD.com or call them at 801 253 That's Davis Vision. Time to welcome in Andy Bailey, NBA writer for Bleacher Report. Andy, good morning.
1: Good morning. How are you guys?
0: Excellent. Maybe not as good as Ursan uh, Ilyasova, who knows he's getting an NBA paycheck. Yes. How big a deal is that for the Jazz? Is that just a little move around the uh, around the edges, a little insurance policy? Or do you see it as more than that?
1: I would probably say it's it's a move around the edges, as you described. But, you know, I, I think Utah's bigger need may still be perimeter defense, just more bodies to throw at guys like LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard or paul george um and so from that sense it's a little bit curious um but you can see why the jazz would like him i mean they, they've been in the business of forwards who can shoot for a while and he makes sense on that front i i don't think that he you know immediately steps into a huge role if anything he maybe supplants george niang somewhere down the line but niang has you know Proved himself to be a pretty valuable shooter off the bench too, so he, he might even have to fight for minutes um, once he gets there. And Utah's got a pretty stout eight or nine man rotation already. Um, so I, you know, it's not a huge earth shattering move, but I, you know, I could see how he could help down the line. He's certainly a guy who can rebound a little bit and, and hit some threes. He's, he's not a great three point shooter. He's kind of a mid thirties guy for his career. Um, but mostly it's, it's, I think the way you described it is good. It's it's probably an insurance policy.
0: So then do you see them making another move to get that perimeter defender you speak of?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, uh, what's interesting is, uh, you, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they let Shaq Harrison go um, uh-huh. to sign Ersan Elias So that, that was interesting because, you know, I, I thought he's a guy who could maybe be that. Perimeter defender, and maybe he just didn't show enough behind the scenes to stick around. Um, you know, so certainly that move could be out there. The the Ilya Silva signing, frankly, surprised me quite a bit because I thought they were pretty set already. Um, you don't get the point differential Utah has right now and the best record in the league without being pretty good and having a pretty strong rotation. Um, so I was a little surprised to see any moves at all. And so I would I would kind of default to that position again. I'd, I'd be surprised if they made another move, just because I think they're really good. Um, and you know, certainly no team wants to rest on their laurels and, and not get better. So they're probably looking for that kind of help. Um, but I don't think it's going to be any name that blows us away. If, if there's another signing or a small trade or something like that, it'll probably be um, around the same level of impact as the Celia Silva deal.
0: You know, the thing that always seems to me is that, first off, for the guys who they're struggling to defend, well, the whole league is struggling to defend those guys. Uh, And if you get somebody who can at least make life hard for those guys, well, then he's going to hurt you offensively, and you're going to have to play a four on five a little bit because whoever they bring in is not going to shoot the ball as well as the guys they have. Because if you can defend that well and you can shoot the ball that well, you're already in the league and you're a star. So, I get why people want or think the Jazz need that, because everybody needs another one of those guys. Literally every—I mean, the Lakers could use more depth. They could use one of those guys, but those guys aren't available.
1: I i think you are—you hit the nail on the head there. And I, and I actually think sort of the national conversation regarding that need for the Jazz is a little bit overblown. I think they have closing lineups— where they can certainly play Joe Ingles and Royce O'Neill at the same time, and those are two of the better perimeter forward defenders in the league. Um, you know, <laughs> jazz fans, I'm sure, remember fondly when Joe Ingles basically shut Paul George out of a series um, a few years ago. He's, he's an underrated perimeter defender. I think Royce O'Neill is one of the best perimeter defenders in the league right now. Um, where Utah runs into a little trouble, I think, is, is their backcourt's kind of small with calmly and Mitchell and that can cause some problems, but I think they have more options on the perimeter than people give them credit for. And like you said, you know, even if they give up a little bit of, um, you know, defensive solidness, I'm, I do not know if I'm making up words at this point. Um, they make up for it with the ridiculous amount of shooting that they put on the floor. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I'm still probably in the camp of, you know, if it's a seven-game series against the Lakers or or probably even the Clippers, I'd probably pick one of those L.A. teams. But I think Utah is much closer to a title contender uh, than people want to give them credit for.
0: So when the second half resumes, they've got the home game against Houston. Then they play the next couple of weeks. So in a seven-day span, they're playing four games each of the next two weeks. And that's a lot of games but i know that everybody else is in the same boat to one extent or another but considering that they went into the all-star break a little bit of a slump how important would you say those first 2 weeks are knowing that the games are coming at them fast and furious
1: yeah i'd say it's pretty important i you know it would certainly be nice to enter the playoffs as the one seed i don't i don't know if they have that as a goal on the whiteboard or anything like that. Um, But they want to get some of that momentum back that they had at the beginning of the year. I also don't think, you know, it it would be nice if they came out and blew the doors off to start this second half of the season and got all the media um, back behind. I mean, it seemed to me like the media was very excited to jump on. I wouldn't even call it a losing streak that they had before um, the all-star break. They just happened to lose a couple games, which happens to everybody. Um, you know, I don't I don't know if they want or need that respect back from the media. It's more about just can you have home court throughout the um, Western Conference postseason. And, and though they have a tough schedule at the start of the second half of the season, once they get through that, um, it, it should lighten up quite a bit. It, I, I'm pretty sure the last time I checked, Utah had the easiest remaining strength of schedule in a league. Um, so if they can get through a couple bumps here early on, I, I think they'll be in pretty good shape.
0: So because the Jazz have looked, uh, they have looked a step slow, maybe a little run down when they've had to play three games in four days. They time to get the third one. It's a bit of a struggle. You probably don't have to do it in the playoffs. Maybe you play a seven-game series and get a back-to-back in the next series, but it's not really something that happens much in the playoffs. So since you don't have to prep for that in the playoffs, what about the idea now, since you've got an eight-, nine-, ten-man rotation uh, with Niang and Ilya Silva and with Miaoni being kind of an eleventh guy now. What about the idea of when you hit these back to backs and the three games in four days scenario? Rotating guys out of the lineup and sitting them for one night, with the exception of Gobert and Favors, you really can't because you got two guys and you need them both. But in every other place, it seems like they got enough depth. I mean, they, they were two and zero when Donovan Mitchell missed. Yeah, well, they were two and zero when Favors was gone too, for that matter.
1: Yeah, that was. You know, you mentioned the record uh, when Mitchell sat, and that was kind of what was going through my head as you were laying out that question. I I think they've also been pretty successful when Conley has sat Mm -hmm. this season. And if you go back to last season, um, you know, they, they had that winning streak when, when Conley was out. Um, you know, that's the benefit of depth and everybody has made that 2014 Spurs comparison to this Utah jazz team over the last several weeks. And I think this is another one where we can see some parallels. Um, that Spurs team, and, and really for a few years uh, during that era, the Spurs were really good at playing you know, 11 or 12 guys, um, and it's not to make everybody feel good and, and give everybody a chance to play. Um, it keeps legs fresh for the playoffs, and I think a, a fringe benefit of that is you know, if you give Mie Aone a few more minutes here in the next couple weeks or, you know, over the second half of the season, and suddenly somebody gets hurt in the playoffs and Mie Aone is called upon to have a more significant role in a series in a big moment, he's going to be more prepared for that um, than he would be if he just spent the entire second half of the season on the bench. So Utah's depth um, could really come in handy as as this second half of the season is going to have to be compressed for a lot of teams.
0: How much are you buying the Suns?
1: Um, I'm kind of on the fence with them. I'm, I'm not as ready to jump in and call them a title contender as I've heard some other people. I, you know, I maybe it's not fair, but I I still want to see Devin Booker hasn't played in the playoffs. I mean, that's I think that's important. Um, DeAndre Ayton, of course, hasn't played in the playoffs, and I think DeAndre Ayton generally they haven't quite figured out his role um, in this new ecosystem with with Chris Paul and Devin Booker there. Um, I really like their wings. I, I think Michael Bridges is great, and Cameron Johnson is is a good player. And um, Chris Paul has obviously been a stabilizing factor there, just like he was with OKC. Um, so there's there's no question that they're good, and I and I would put them on the fringe. You know, I, I would say tier one right now in terms of teams I think can win the title would be like the Lakers, the Clippers, uh, the Bucks, the Sixers, the Nets, and the Jazz. Um, and I would say the Suns are in Tier Two, whatever that may mean. And I don't know who all is in there with them. Um, are they knocking on the door for Tier One? Maybe, but I, you know, I'm still just a little bit hesitant because we just, we haven't seen as much from them. I mean, obviously we've seen a ton from Chris Paul over the course of his career, but this is still relatively new with the Suns and it's, it's, um, maybe a little too early to crown them.
0: You know, you were talking about how versatile uh, the Jazz were and the options they have. The one thing we really haven't seen a lot of—well, that may not— one thing we haven't seen as much as I think some Jazz fans are intrigued by is Joe Engel's closing if the Jazz think the backcourt is too small in a given matchup. You know, take Conley out at the end of the game. Or— We saw the Sixers go right at Bogdanovich in overtime. They clearly thought, he's a defensive liability, we can attack him, and they did, and they got enough buckets to win the game. So if there's a a matchup issue with either one of those guys, why not put Ingles in the closing lineup and take out one of those guys? How willing would you be be to do that, and how much does that mess with whatever chemistry we're going to hear about, blah, blah, blah?
1: That's that's the big consideration, obviously, is what does it do um, to the other guys. And, and as far as I can tell, this is a team that's got a lot of very level-headed players, um, and whoever that on-man-out may be would, would hopefully be okay with that. But that's something I've been thinking about for weeks. I mean, if you look at lineup data, um, yeah, there are some lineups that are just phenomenal with Joe Ingles in them, and, and versatility is how you started that question. Um He's extremely versatile. I th- you know, he can he can be as effective a spot-up shooter as Bogdanovich is, but he's a, a much better perimeter defender, um, and he's a much better decision-maker in the, the pick-and-roll. I mean, we saw that, com- that uh, chemistry between he and Derek Favors two years ago in the pick-and-roll, and I think he's got a little bit of that with Gobert now, too. I You know, I, I just think he does more than Bogdanovich does, and I don't know if that's me saying that Bogdanovich is the one who needs to be bumped out um but there are certainly some games and situations where i think ingles needs to be on the floor in the closing minutes i think he's shown so much over the last several seasons that he's a guy who doesn't shy away from big moments i already mentioned that series against paul george um you know he hits big shots but he also comes up big on defense a lot down the stretch so they're going to have to think about that that's this is (laughs) the burden of having six or seven guys who can close. I mean, that there are other games where you think, you know, Jordan Clarkson should be out there um, the way that he can get the offense on track. I mean, there are so many <laughs> options and configurations and lineups with this team that you could, you know, make an argument for being the closing five um, and maybe it's different game to game, but I, you know, I, for Joe Ingles specifically, I think he's certainly earned more closing minutes. So
0: we've seen Blake Griffin to the nets. Anything else you're expecting?
1: Um, this is such a weird trade deadline to try to gauge because we've got the play in tournament, of course. And so I think a lot of teams are going to talk themselves into, you know, we can be one of those top 10 teams. We can get a little bit more experience, possibly some playoff experience if we get lucky in that play in tournament. Um, you know, one team there's been a lot of buzz about is the Orlando magic over the last couple of weeks. Um, and it sounds like a lot of guys could be available for them. I mean, it would take a pretty big offer to get somebody like Bucevic, but it sounds like Evan Fournier might might be available Aaron Gordon. Um, so that's maybe a team to could keep an eye on. The Andre Drummond buyout is still a possibility, and it sounds like he might go to the Nets too um, which would be interesting. I think they might have a glut of big man at that point. Um, so it's it, it's long story short, it's kind of a hard trade deadline to figure out i think the beal thing is that's just not going to happen this season at least it doesn't seem like it i I think somebody would have to just blow the doors off um for washington to 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 consider moving him at this point um so i don't you know i hesitate to say we're going to have a dud of a trade deadline because i thought that in years past and then we just get an avalanche of moves on that day um but right now it's just kind of hard to see which team is going to open those floodgates
0: the Lakers, or as David Locke likes to say in that drop, I hate the freaking Lakers. Uh, their their depth is sub, such an issue. Do you see them adding a guy or two, even if it's fringe player, role player? Because unlike the Jazz, where if you add somebody with one skill set, the Jazz have good depth, and now you're not as well-rounded a team. But the Lakers have depth issues, so any one skill set they add, whether it's somebody who can uh, rebound shot block, or somebody can shoot the three, or somebody can D, D guys up, that might be an asset for them in any one given series, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, I think they should be um, relatively aggressive. Um, you know, I don't know if that means a veteran who's just kind of sitting on the couch right now and would take a veteran minimum. Um, you know, I, I don't know who that guy is, but they certainly have depth problems. Um, I think you take the second best player off any team and they're obviously gonna struggle. So so as long as they've got LeBron and A. D. in the playoffs, they're gonna be formidable. Um but those those other positions, um they, they could certainly use a boost around the roster. Dennis Schroeder is not as good as he was with O K C. Um Wesley Matthews just kind of looks like a shell of himself at this point. Um so they could they could certainly use a boost. On the perimeter, but I would, I would be hesitant to hit the panic button. If I'm LA, I don't, I don't think they need to do anything dramatic. Um, But if there's a if there's a veteran out there, a buyout candidate out there, they're they're going to have their um, they're going to have their ear on on a bunch of possibilities. PJ Tucker's a guy I thought about for them a little bit ago, and you know I don't know if he suddenly becomes good again because he's been bad in Houston, frankly, and, and maybe he'll be more motivated on a contender. Um, But, yeah, they they absolutely could use some depth.
0: Well, Andy, we appreciate a little bit of time. You coming on, talking a little NBA with us. And uh, the games are going to pick up here real quick now. Uh, A little bit Wednesday, a lot Thursday, and the Jazz on Friday. Thanks, Andy. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys.